This is a Soulfire production. Okay, everybody. So today we have one of the most incredible humans I know. So grateful to be in her presence and to call her a friend and a sister. Really, really, really an amazing human being. And I cannot wait for you to meet her. And before we get started here, I want to read you a little bit about her because she has an incredible background and she deserves an introduction because she's done years and years of schooling and work um, to get to the point that she's gotten to. So Tiffany Louise, everybody, is a professional coach, speaker, and author and is a licensed as a clinical social worker. Tiffany provides coaching to individuals and groups and is a consultant, speaker, and spokesperson for corporations and media outlets. She's all over the place. She obtained her master's degree in clinical social work with an emphasis in behavioral health and has 17 years of experience working as a therapist and coach in clinical and community settings. Tiffany is trained uh, trained as a psychotherapist with a focus on cognitive behavioral Therapies. She spent a decade working in the field of addictions and mental health in some of the leading treatment centers in the country. Tiffany is the author of the book, This Year I Will, a 52-week guided journal to achieve your goals, available online at Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, all the websites. She is a contributor to various publications such as Shape Magazine, The Huffington Post, Women's Health Magazine, and Fox News. Tiffany draws from her years of experience and thousands of counseling hours to inform her coaching practice. Her passion and her life's work is to support others in creating their healthiest, happiest, and most spiritually connected lives. And um, Tiffany, to me, is just the essence of beauty. You guys, if you follow her on Instagram, IG, Tiffany.Louise, uh, you can see that she's a beautiful woman, but her spirit is just vibrant. And I remember when I first moved to Chicago, I felt super alone because I had such my tribe of spiritual friends and girlfriends in Los Angeles. And I'm like, gosh, who are these people in the Midwest, in Chicago? Like, where are they? I feel so alone. I feel so different. And Tiffany was one of the first people that I reached out to because I could just feel her heart. And I remember sitting down with her and I just thought, man, she is such a beautiful kind soul, such an incredible, patient listener. And she was just as empathetic as I am, which is very unique. And I'm like, man, she really gets what it means to feel somebody so deeply. And so I felt like such a connection to her there. She says the most beautiful way about her. I was sharing with her earlier. It's it's very rare that you find someone that knows who they are and creates powerful boundaries around them where they have their own way of being, their own line of thought, their own way of thinking. They so know who they are while are also so kind and compassionate and giving. And it's just a rare combination. So she has had an incredible journey. Um, You know, sometimes you could look at her stuff and be like, well, that's good for her. You know, she's just this hot, you know, white girl with this long, beautiful blonde hair. And of course she has this incredible practice and, you know, that hasn't always been her path and she has really dug deep and gone through her own personal transformation. It's why she can hold such beautiful space. So we're going to talk about tons of things today, guys. She has been in the clinical space and has broken out to serve the masses. So we're going to talk about that transition and how she went full-time doing that. And we're going to get into, you know, how can you stand in your truth and be a powerful woman and listen to one voice? How do we find that one voice 
and wherever else this conversation leads us. So Tiffany, I would love if you could introduce yourself to the tribe here. Well, isn't that just Laura Holloway and her beautiful heart to give the most epic and generous like introduction anyone has ever given me? You are such a kind human. I'm so glad to be talking with you and celebrating this and you sharing your voice more with the world. Um, so she shared a lot about, you know, you shared a lot about my, um, you know, work history, but I, I guess what I'll supplement that with is, uh, I just, I came from therapy. I was doing therapy an hour ago. Um, before we got on the podcast. And I think my story starts with getting placed in therapy when I was like barely three or four years old. Um, so my mom was, and I've talked about this on a lot of different, you know, platforms, but my mom was ahead of her time. And, you know, before I knew a lot, I knew that I could talk to people and that I could get support and that I could get help and that things were going to happen, but there was a place to go and someone kind to listen. And so I have had this understanding of people helping people, of people not judging people, of people holding space for your anxiety and your fear and your mess, and then walking out feeling lighter and feeling like you have a solution and feeling like the next day can be better. So I I really believe that it has been through the most difficult parts of my life that I've learned what grace is, that I've learned what forgiveness is, that I've learned what healing is. I've had, you know, I was raised largely by a single mother. We've had lots of, like many of you, um, addiction in the family. Um, and so my family and my sisters and my mom, we've all been doing the work since I was little. And um, it's just, it's natural for me as breathing. That's why I always make conscious effort to come on my social media platforms and be like, I just went to therapy. Like it, it, just to let people know, just like I'm saying, I got my nails done. I just went to therapy because it's, I hope at some point it becomes that commonplace. So who am I? I'm, I'm a person who's struggled and I'm a person who has um, healed and overcome and who is still figuring it out for all of that long list of like expertise I still don't believe that I have it all figured. I think when you do, there's a problem. Um, I'm still learning and growing. And my all I'm here to do is offer suggestions to the people who cross my path. And they can see if it sticks for them and if it works for them. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of, you know, how it came to be. Uh, or like how it came to be in this position is doing a lot of personal growth along with all of that professional growth you just talked about. I love it. And I do feel like uh, the stigma around mental health is absolutely releasing. Do you feel like that in yeah, the professional space now? It's just like it's kind of there. becoming, yeah, it's getting there. We can say garden variety depression and anxiety with a lot of ease and, and it's more well, well received. But if we talk about other things like, you know, if someone says I have bipolar, or I'm struggling right. with this kind of addiction, there's still, you know, judgment. And I'm, and I just think, you know, we're on the path. The more that we do. Why it, do you think it's so hard for us to ask for help? Oh, um, because it's, it's accessing a point of vulnerability that feels just inherently uncomfortable. You know, and many of us haven't had experiences where we've trusted people all that well. And so saying to someone, I'm going to take all of my ashes and come sit with you 
and talk about them and trust you to help me create some beauty from them. That's a, that's a scary thing for us to do. And I think we're always moving towards things that feel better and away from things that don't feel good. And so unfortunately that creates this um, instinct to ignore, numb from, run from our discomfort. Um, and but we, what we know now is that the meeting of the feeling and the meeting of the discomfort offers us our freedom. It's when we run from it. We think when we face whatever we're dealing with, we'll crumble. And you might crumble, but then you have the ability to move through. But what really crumbles us is long-term avoidance. So yeah. it's it's hard to ask for help. But um, and I don't know any, I mean, still to this day, I sit in front of my therapist and I'm, I do this for a living and I'm like, okay, like, what does she think about me? And like, <laughs> what does she think about what I just said? Like, and I have been doing this forever. So it's super, I think, I think the more we just say, yeah, it's not going to feel natural, but it's going to feel better. The more people will do it. So part of the reason why I wanted to chat with you, there's so many reasons and your depth of knowledge is so deep. You and I could talk about a million different topics, but I feel like particularly for this audience, we have a group of people that are committed to growing on the soul line and the goal line. And I feel like you're someone that does both with such grace and such beauty and you make it seem very simple. It's like, okay, so I'm now building this business and I've attracted my husband and I'm building this life that I love. And it feels very much at your pace. It feels very much, um, and obviously this is an outsider looking in, you know, it just, it, it feels kind. It feels, it, it doesn't feel like the Western culture, like what we are taught. And I just feel like right now during COVID, uh, I'm sure this episode is going to launch sometime in March, which will still be going through this epidemic, you know, uh, the pandemic. It, this is our moment to really look inside of ourselves and say, what's sustainable? What's sustainable inside of my business? Am I happy? What's sustainable inside of my life? Um, and how do I grow on both of those lines in a way that feels right for me, in a way that feels honest, in a way that feels in alignment? And I just feel like you're such an example of someone that's done that. And you've been in the private sector for so long and you chose to go public in your own way, in your own time. So I would love if you could kind of expand on those topics and just share your perspective. Yeah, I think it's it's something that so many women are faced with. It, it feels like this challenge of how do I pursue my goals, but in a way that is sustainable. And I looked around and, and granted, I'm, I'm much more, I'm a two with traits of three on the Enneagram. I'm, my values are definitely oriented first towards relationships and people. So I have that benefit that my instinct is sort of wired towards what we know creates happiness. Okay. Right. So we talk about values and they're different for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things about values is there are values that can serve you and there are values that can't. Like not all values are created equal. Mark Manson is actually someone who I really love who has a very masculine and direct approach to challenging people on their values. He'll basically say, if you live your life according to these values, you might end up pretty disappointed. So for me, I will say that I did have that, but I had that to the, to the extent where it created codependency and discomfort, right? So mm -hmm. I had to scale mine back and get, and get healing. But in terms of like the goals that I had, I started to, to sort of check in and see all of these women, what I watched constantly 
was women glorifying the hustle, women I looked up to, women who were ahead of me in the coaching space, and all of them, hashtag hustle. And (laughs) I was like, and I felt like such an outsider in that movement because I was like, that doesn't feel aligned to me. I'm watching them. It feels like, it felt like a hustling for a worthiness. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and I just had this feeling like these houses, ho- houses of cards are going to crumble. And, and, that, and person after person, you would see, say, I got to six figures and my adrenals were burned out. My relationship was in the toilet. I didn't, ha- I didn't have the money I pretended I had. And so I just saw that, that this um, drive to be enough and to create success in order to be safe and valid was when it was operating from that place was a path to, you know, inevitable falling apart. And I thought, but that doesn't mean that we're not allowed to have the goals. And it doesn't right. mean that we're not allow- want, allowed to want success or greatness. But is there another way, a way to do it conscious, a way that you don't have to have your health fall apart as a consequence? And I would look for the people around me who seem to have that. And I think the one person who has always been my barometer of like someone who seems to get the boundaries and to have the, the, the wherewithal, but, but the peace is Brene Brown. Oh, love her. Right? She's the, the girl's got success. She got badass boundaries. You're, you, I look at you like compassionate boundaries. <laughs> right. She's, she's, she's a little got, sharper, but she she's is. got I, I mean, she's learned the importance of them. She's mm-hmm. also learned that while I'm serving and creating and growing, if I don't tend to my well being and tune this out, connect back with my family, I will not be well. And no matter what I gain, it won't be worth it. And so I just started to sort of stop looking out there and start looking here and saying, what, what matters to you? How do you want to serve? And do you want to be compensated well and do well as a result of it? Yeah, nothing's wrong with that. It's if I'm chasing that and I'm not happy despite that. And if I'm not happy on the journey, what the heck is the whole fucking point? Like, pardon my language, but like, You're not promised 10 years from now. You're not promised the crossing of the goal line of when you're, when your company sells or whatever it is you're, we're promised today. So, uh, so the long story short for me, I, I really had to, I didn't hustle so much for my worthiness in my career. I definitely did in my relationships and I had to learn, which unfortunately, man, I I was deep digging deep into the research on this yesterday. I'm like, how do we get people to wake up before they have the consequence? Right. And man, it's tough. It's real tough to educate people to see, hear the whispers and the writing on the wall and pivot before they have to feel. Well, don't you think that could be potentially a gift of this time? Because so many yes. people are trapped in the rat race. And so now we have this 90 day to however long time where it's like, oh my God, I've been literally forced to hit my knees and slow down. So I can actually have a moment to hear. Because when you're trapped, you can't hear. Can't hear. Yeah. You're just running, you're running, you're running. So it's okay. now we're like, oh, we can hear. So conversations like this could seep in a little more. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. But what I, I so found too. is until you know what the cost is of you not honoring yourself in those ways, whether it's tolerating less than you want or deserve in your relationship, until you fully, I had to hit a pretty high cost until I was like, oh, yeah. I like literally, 
physically and mentally cannot tolerate mistreatment. Mm. Because if I do, my life falls apart <laughs> and, any, and I can't do anything. So it wasn't until, and we have to, and the idea is to raise the bar. The idea is to raise the bottom, to not have to, to drop down, to have enough pause to hear. But I was watching person after person after person get to the top and then say, I'm freaking miserable. And I also had the benefit of working with, I mean, for the 10 years that I worked in addiction, it was one of the top treatment centers in the country. I was working with top people in Chicago and their families who from the outside looked like everything was great. And in, and unless you have that inner peace, I do not care how much you have in your bank account. It, it will not make you happy. So I had the benefit of being exposed to enough people and that example that I knew that I, I couldn't pursue it that way. And I just, I got tired and I didn't want to. And I wanted to build something that felt like it was built on, on the rock, not on the sand. And, and, I, and I can feel how other people feel in that energy. I might admire what they've been able to create, but I don't like wish that I had their energy. So totally. for me, it was this like, I don't feel compelled to live my life in that way. Yeah. Um, it's so maybe I've grown amazing. slower, I would say, probably. Well, more sustainably, right? But like, I, what if you got to where you are yes. now five years ago? So what? So what? I wouldn't have had... So what? I would not have had the framework or the yeah. strength or the foundation to need it. Yeah. Or to, or to keep it long-term. A hundred percent. Right? So you've built a sustainable life. So when you... So you had your wake-up call in relationship. So when you yeah. realized that that way of living and chasing her and whatever you were feeling in that relationship was no longer sustainable. What were your first practices that you put into place to go, okay, I'm going to change. I'm having my moment. I'm going to pivot. Yeah. So I met my discomfort, like okay. we talked about in the beginning. I didn't numb from it. I didn't run from it. I looked it straight in the eyes and said, what's up? And how, how is this happening? And, and I took responsibility for what was mine. That's the thing about... Um, when we find ourselves in unhealthy relationships, we, when we have codependent patterns, we're very much focused somewhere else, right? If I could just get you to pivot and I just get you to show up in this way, and if I could just show up in this way, then you'll see me and Val and all that mess. So I had to come back to me, drop the anchor in my own life and take full responsibility and say, if I'm going to plot all the data points of what's happening when I'm in a relationship that doesn't meet my needs consistently. That's the other thing. These these funky relationships usually meet our needs enough that we can subsist on some meager frail breadcrumbs, right? So I had to face all of that. And I had to say, if, and this is the question that I would ask my clients in, when they would come to me trying to heal addictions and everything, if you don't change this, what's the consequence? And Tony Robbins does this in a very powerful, a little bit dramatic way where he has everybody imagine and has unleashed the power within, whether you like him or not. It's my, one of my favorite courses. I love it. It's still a helpful you know, thing to yeah. say. If I do not change this, what will be the consequences? I would sit here and say, how is this going to impact my health? Maybe now I can tolerate it, but how would this impact my health, this kind of stress? How would this impact my health, this kind of uncertainty? How will it impact my business if I'm not able to focus? And so I took a look in the future and didn't like what I saw. And I tolerated the discomfort of nothing over something that wasn't meeting my needs. And I think that's, that's the gatekeeper to a lot of change. It's like the minute you take one hand away from the monkey bars and that mm. 
microsecond of letting go before you grab the next one. That's what we have to be able to do is to release without the filler um, and then be with ourselves. The people who I've seen be able to sit and deal with the discomfort on the way to what they want and not turn around and run back, right back to the thing that caused it. Um, they're the ones who have... Yeah, I'm found they're the ones that then long-term can pay it forward and hold the most space for the most people, yes. whatever that looks like, whether that's in coaching or in business or like a new book is birthed out of it. But through that comes the aha awareness, the husband, the family, the whatever. So, um, so, so, so beautiful. And you just walked that path, man, with such grace. Like you're definitely my North star for that. So one thing you've been chatting about with, um, I think I was on Connor's podcast and I really liked it. And you referred to Brene Brown. You talk a lot about this concept about foreboding joy. And I think it's, um, so interesting, particularly at this time, like that we're experiencing such global suffering um, that we tend to, and you put it way more eloquently than I could, but we tend to avoid joy and forebode joy because the way you put it, and I would love you to describe this, because we are scared of actually meeting that level of love and then realizing that it could be lost. And, And I just feel like Love and joy is what we all want, but how often are we actually rejecting it to come in and how, and how willing are we to allow it in and to receive it? And I feel like so many women, particularly on this line, haven't let love in, myself included. Like, like my willingness, my openness, my container to receive is consistently growing. That's like the muscle that I've been working on for years is receive, let it in, let it in, let it in. So I would love you to expand on that topic because I feel like success comes and we attract what we want to the the degree that we allow that. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. So I found this when I would be, when I was working with patients and I would, I would run a um, group every Tuesday called Happiness Tuesdays Mm. and it was all about gratitude. And it was the most well-attended group. People would graduate from treatment and still come back. And like, it's sort of like that Yale course where, you know, like we learn the science of our happiness, right? And, and, and what makes it and what doesn't. And so the more that I dove into the research, I'm like, holy F is gratitude. Like it's the miracle drug. It, it truly is. The people who access the most gratitude find greater well-being. But I was like, what is this resistance I see? to stepping into gratitude more consciously and more consistently. And what sort of came to me through my own experience with it and working with clients is this like, in the moment we have to step into gratitude, like the moment I fully access just how much I love my mother mm-hmm. is the, re- and the, re- I say I'm grateful for her health. To be grateful for her health, you have to acknowledge that her health may not be there. So simultaneously present are the fr- is the fragility of life and your gratitude for the fact that things are good. So we avoid it. We don't want to go there because yes, I'll feel grateful, but I also have to feel the reality of, you know, that this may is not promised to me and that at some point this may not be the case. And I really believe that collectively this is what we're facing now is the thing that we've been able to skim the surface of the thing that we've been able to swipe past enough, to buy on top of enough, to run enough, to hit workout enough, to not confront that every time we get in the car and every time we show up, 
you know, to a new morning that that day, that this life is fragile. But I found that when we resist that truth, we live numbed down, dumbed down lives. And then we don't live in alignment with our values. So the importance of building up our muscle to face this truth is that it gives us everything that we want. When we can face life isn't promised tomorrow, what, how, so how do I show up today? And then we live differently. We live conscious is, yeah. is essentially what happens. And I've watched myself and my clients and all of us like, and, and I don't also think that we need to hold space. It's, it's a balance, right? If you're holding space for like, I could die all day long, that's when we get paralyzed. That's when it turns into anxiety mm-hmm. and it's paralyzing. But when we hold it there um, and we're aware of it, we're like, does it matter that she offended me? And am I going to leave this phone call with an attitude problem? Does it matter that, you know, uh, this person triggered my ego at work? We, we just react differently. We're more connected to what matters when we're connected to how fragile life is. It, it, and that's why it takes many of us really shocking, jarring things to shake us out of all the things that we do to distract. And, and that, and, we need to have compassion for ourselves. We're just trying to cope the best we can. But but then we end up insulating ourselves um, from these truths that could really shape our lives in different ways. So, you know, we've Laura and I have been on this call of many of our friends meeting every week, supporting one another. It's it's a really challenging time. And I don't mean to make lemon made out of lemons right now <laughs> and like put a little, you know, like I I know people are suffering and this is real. Um, but I also think that whatever's happening in your life, whenever a wave crashes on your shore, it's the wave you're meant to meet then. Mm. And whatever is coming up for all of us is always perfect. Um, and we have an opportunity now to step into your, and to come back full circle to your question. It's like to fully step into joy. And Brene Brown talks about this, like peering over at her precious little babies in their crib and being like, (gasps) What if something could happen to them? Feeling both the crazy love of how perfect mm-hmm. they are and their sleeping little faces. and But then to choose that again and again and again and again. And, and then we live in that vibration. And, and I'm amazed. I, I, you know, I practice gratitude pretty hardcore, but there is always another level. There yeah. is always another level. Like I'm facing myself. Like, hey, where were the ways that you weren't conscious? And how wow. did you sort of numb out? And I'm meeting the wave for myself right now, even as someone who works on this. So, so beautiful. And it's so interesting because at a time of such like global suffering, um, I found myself, and we've talked about this on our weekly calls, like, gosh, how do I just, sometimes I find myself, and I don't know if anybody on the line finds themselves like feeling guilty for like, being so privileged and having so much joy and having a great life when there's so many people suffering. It's like, I have friends that came out of retirement to go to the front lines in New York are seeing multiple deaths in their hands a day are, um, you know, people on my team that have multiple team members, you know, with this disease, like 70% of the deaths in Chicago are inside of the African American marketplace. And it's just like, how do I help? And then going back, like I was asking you guys this question, like, who am I to, feel okay during this time. And it's like, but you know what, Laura, like you can't help someone out of a tunnel. If you jump in the tunnel with them, you can stand and put a rope down and you can help pull them out, but you can't jump down in them. And I think the pattern that I'm learning to 
break free of is that is that I, I get to, it's my birthright. And because of that, it sparks joy in other people and that vibration. That is kind of what the global awakening is right now, right? We're living from joy, a higher level of consciousness and teaching people through our own ways of being. I mean, that's what you do every single day for me and so many people. So I just find that this conversation is so interesting at a time of global suffering. It is. And to hold, and it's not that we, um, it's not that we neglect or don't embrace the suffering, but what I found in my healing from codependency is, um, there's empathy and then there's codependency mm-hmm. and there's compassion and then there is enmeshment. Right. And there, and, and what I, what has really helped me, um, as someone who has literally made a living of having to learn how to be in the presence of suffering of others, people that I love, my clients, my precious clients, while still maintaining joy, is the, the, the thing that has been an anchor for me is that when, when someone is at their best and their widest mind, they would never want someone to suffer with them. And so sometimes when we're in our suffering, we feel like, yeah, everybody needs to feel bad with me. But that's from the wounded right. place, right? But when we are in our healthiest place, no other human wishes our most painful moments on someone else. So truly us stepping, us having compassion for it and empathy for it and serving in the ways that we can and showing up for it, not ignoring it, but spending our days dress rehearsing that or act or stepping into what they might be experiencing. I did that for many, many years. And I realized that was my very imaginative brain. Um, you know, almost keeping myself stuck and not allowing myself joy, because if we had to wait for everybody else to be good, to feel joy, we would never feel good. Mm-hmm. Never. There's enough, there, this world is full of joy and suffering and that is what is here. So if we had to wait for every person who is wounded or suffering to feel okay, it wouldn't happen. So what I found is when I find my joy, like I felt it today, I posted that I worked out and I felt good. And I felt that moment that you're talking about it. Like, who am I to say this? And is this insensitive? And is this callous? And I, and I really dug deep in my heart and it's no, I am honoring those people by not taking one moment of my lungs filling for granted. So I agree with you. And I think it's something that's very difficult uh, for us to allow ourselves the good when our friends are, you know, are not married to celebrate our own marriage and feel bad. Like we have to dumb it down when our friends are struggling in their business and our business is doing well, right. we do all of it. We can hold space for them and have compassion for them while experiencing our good. Um, and I think the more that we learn to do that, the, the better support system we will all be for one another. Amen. And um, I just love how you put that. In so many ways. So we can all work on that at this time and and work on the trusting. I can work on the trusting that my joy is actually allowing me to be a beautiful space and container to hold space for other, a loving space for other people, which that's what I would want from a teacher. That's what I would want from you, you know? So what do you do? What are some daily practices you do? I know you're, um, I would not consider you an obsessive health nut, but you are very conscious in terms of how you eat, how you take care of yourself. Your self-love and self-care practice is top notch. And I know you do it for your husband as well. So what are your like daily disciplines that are no matter what's for you to keep yourself down? Yeah. 
and I have come to them. So Tiffany, 10 years ago and 20 years ago, you'd be like, who? Like literally 18 year old Tiffany, people are like, I, I don't, I don't see it. Where did this new human come from? Um, but I've, I've learned to listen to my discomfort. Again, I think our pain points speak to us um, all the time. And I've learned what doesn't work for me. So what doesn't work for me doesn't mean it's what works for you. But I've learned to say, oh, when I, I barely drink, but when I drink, I don't feel good. It makes me anxious, me dehydrated. So mm-hmm. I don't do that. Ever. I haven't in two and a half years now. Wow. Um, I don't drink caffeine because, well, you know, however, 12 years ago in grad school, I would be like driving home. We had this big bridge from my uh, graduate school and I would be like, what's that? What's that bird flying by my car? Wow. Like, oh, wow. Anxious by the afternoon just from caffeine, you know, so ca- I don't do caffeine. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of people look at me and they're like, oh my God, like roll their eyes. Like she's, you know, walks this line. But the truth is I just do it because it, doesn't feel good. If I could drink caffeine and feel energized, it probably freaking would, but I don't. So I'd hydrate, I move, movement as someone who is healed from anxiety and Mm. has a system that moves more towards that. Movement is the greatest medicine for me and for all the clients that I've worked with. Move, I pray, I listen to um, average a half an hour to an hour. And it doesn't mean I'm sitting, staring, but like when I'm getting ready or when I'm doing whatever of like a sermon or a spiritual content, um, I connect with people I love because that's my value system. So I want to make sure I'm showing up in my value system every day, not just working and ignoring the relationships that are more important than anything. Those are some of the things that are part of every day. So beautiful. What forms of movement do you find work best for you or people that run, run anxious? Cause there might be a lot of people on the line that run anxious. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us do. <laughs> uh, I would, I, I say what forms of movement is what feels fun. Oh, I love that answer. Or we won't do it long-term. So what feels fun and I flip through everything. I dance and then I kickbox and then I get on a running kick and then I'm like, I'm really into yoga. And then I'm really into this. And that's why I never get bored because it's a lifestyle thing. I'm not trying to change and shape my body to be more of something and be enough. So I've worked through that um, whole story. So now I just go with what feels great today? What does my body want? I love that. But I think for anyone with anxiety, you get your heart rate going. You get it's, it does need to, to elevate, like yoga helps from the breathing aspect, but then when we act, it, we're moving energy out. Yeah. So whether that's brisk walk, doesn't have to be, <laughs> you know, uh, high intensity. Something that you talked about, um, I don't know where, cause you have so many beautiful media outlets that you've been sharing. I feel like God is using you in such a beautiful way right now is people finding their voice, their inner compass, like really their, their, foundational North star at this time, internal North star. And that's something I'm sure you've cultivated through the years, but you're really in tune with it now. I mean, you, you've shared things with me where you're in tune down to like, Oh, I know this person needs to not be at work or I know this, like, you're just like, you, you're on it. So what would you offer for people as, you know, just any guidance to tap into that? So this is what I found and you guys let me know on the, on the line if it connects, but our North Star, inner voice, that wisdom, and I, whether you have a belief in something greater, I think that energy, call it God, the universe, love, 
speaks through you, but it sounds like your voice many times. Mm-hmm. And it is direct. It is for me, um, and for many of the people I work with, it's direct. It's clear. It's concise. Right. Not full of drama. I often was, I mean, part of my healing was like, is this my voice of my intuition? No, it's the voice of my freaking anxiety that was like making me miserable. So I had to learn what's that still small voice. And it comes, for me, it usually comes out like, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Or you know Mm -hmm. better. Or that wasn't kind. Mm -mm." Or you need to call that person back. And then I talked back to it. I'm like, oh, they were so wrong. No, you know what you need to do. It's just this click. But like you said earlier, I had to learn to get quiet enough to hear it because otherwise I would just get busy and just like not listen because I had something else to focus on. So yeah, for me, that that North Star is, you know, when what's right and wrong. And, and, and what I had to learn enough about the North Star is sometimes when I was younger, especially I was like, this voice of wisdom is just trying to ruin my fun. Like, <laughs> right, I, I, right. I like, I like him. He's hot or whatever. And it would be like this, like, not good, not good. And that I had to learn enough that that voice is always for my benefit. And even if it's uncomfortable listening right now, I'm always grateful that I do. Even if I have to swallow my damn pride and call my sister and say, I'm sorry for being an a-hole on, you know, when I get triggered, I always am glad I listened to the North Star and my life gets simpler. When I ignored those whispers, life is dramatic and we create all this chaos. And for many of us, we're addicted to that. We're used to putting out fires and having problems. So yeah, I would say tune into that. It's, it's still, it's quiet, it's quick, it's concise. And um, take a look. That's the thing. Once you lit, start to live long enough, you can, you have the gift of the time that's passed, right? That's why I'm like, no one could pay me a billion dollars to go back to being 19. And if you are 19, you're awesome because you're living in a greater, you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you're doing more than I was when I was right, totally. Um, but like, that's the gift that I can look back and be like, ah, I trust that voice. And do you feel like it's grown the more you've trusted it? It's almost like you're walking with it now. It's like, I listen, I honor, I listen, I honor. Now it's kind of just it's a part uh, of it's a click. everyday life yeah like I love that you said it offers like, it makes your life so much simpler I, I haven't heard maybe I've heard it but that just really landed for me is like huh it does there's no added drama there's no unnecessary like kickback or run around yeah this person oh this business thing came up it doesn't feel right okay I don't have to and now it doesn't mean I'm not going to make a mistake again or are they mistakes or are they all divine assignments right but I don't have to learn as I haven't had to learn as hard of lessons as I did when I didn't listen. Mm-hmm. And even so, simple, beautiful things like it'll tell me turn this corner in Chicago, and then I run into a client I haven't aw, seen in years. Yep. And those are the best gifts, right? Yeah, the simple ones. Yeah. Um, something that you and I have chatted about um, a few times is that like you feel like, and I felt like old masks are kind of being like super triggered right now. And it's like, whoa, like things that are not for us, I feel like during this time are literally falling away, like being like chopped off. Like there is no longer an opportunity for you to contact that person, access this part of your life. Like it is done. Like you're not even given an option. And do you feel like this is a time where 
limiting beliefs are just being shedded. Masks are dropping. Like we're almost like shifting, like quantum leaping, like two years in a span of 90 days. Is that your experience? For some it is. Um, For some people, they're not having that experience. For some people, they're having... They're being, they're being activated. All their stuff is up. They're losing the comfort of, you know, job security and they're fearful for health and they're all their relation that's happening for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. The relationship challenges are a big old magnifying glasses being highlighted on, on those if they're quarantined with someone. So I think we have the opportunity to make some of those leaps. Um, because I think. Change happens in many ways. It happens over time and it can happen in a moment. And we can have this moment of, oh, and then what I always like to say is sometimes when we see something so clearly, we grow even just a little bit bigger than that box and we never fit in that box again. So we might try to shove ourselves in that box and try to go back to that old coping skill, but we can't ever unlearn what we've learned. So I think right now, and that, and that makes it... we less comfortable to go back to that old like I always say when clients are would, patients would be like this is my sixth treatment I'm like yeah but you know so much more now and it's never the same is it and they're like yeah you know even when I would go back to using I would have this wise voice now yeah so I think we have the opportunity to meet the stuff to say oh here's my instinct to spend or to eat or to lash out and how can I shift it but I think what we do with what comes up is going to, and again, I don't want to be that voice of make the best of this because that right. can be condescending too. Totally. But if you feel called to learn and grow about through what you're experiencing, then our suffering gains purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I have a lot of people that I know, and I think a lot of these listeners are, are uh, making those choices right now yeah. like like truthfully yeah. making those choices and like you said just reshifting those patterns in the moment of so we can start to to build that new muscle it's it's really crazy that we can't unknow sometimes i'm like <laughs> i don't want to know I for <laughs> <remember> that <laughs> oh my gosh so um what what do you feel like the greatest gift of covid is the C word is for us as a collective. My experience has been that from having conversations with people, just meeting with my clients and my own friends, it's we've learned what we don't need for many mm-hmm. of us. We've learned, I just was talking to a client yesterday that was like, oh my God, this was making my life so much harder and this and this and and she would just realize that some things that she was doing can give her back three hours of her day. Wow. And that's big, right? And um, so I think we're learning what's not necessary for happiness. And I think we're also confronting, like we said, what we were talking about before, the reality of the fragility of this life. And we have the the biggest gift, I think, is that we have the opportunity to live more in alignment with what our values are moving forward from this. We have, the, we have the ability to choose to be a different, more kind, compassionate human being. Because I think the, the COVID is one of the pandemics, but I, I have seen a pandemic emerge of arrogance and contempt mm. and um, judgment and know-it-allness 
and my myself included, right? Like we, with this shadow part of us that you know thinks we know everything, and it happens on both sides of the fence in any and every political party, and like in every human being. And I think this, you've talked about this, and I've loved what you've said of this great equalizer, right? Like suddenly I am looking, and it's not like I wasn't appreciative of my Instacart people before. They're my freaking saviors. Totally. I mean, they Heroes. Here, like truly keeping people safe who have compromised immune systems and can't leave to go get um, groceries and who are, whether by choice or by necessity, right? Because many of them are forced to make this choice to survive. I think we've learned that we are all in this far more together than we ever thought. And we are not as isolated and individualized as we thought. And so we can, we can move forward in a different way. So I think most people on this line are inspired and they're all, they're probably all like, gosh, how can I be like her? I've had people say that to me, Laura, I just want to be like you. And I'd be like, no girl, you want to be like the best version yeah. of you, sister. And trust me, it's going to be way better than me. <laughs> um, but what, what advice would you give to your younger self or that younger girl or the girl or the guy, you know, in his career wanting to make this pivot or at this moment where you were like, what maybe three things would you tell yourself back then? I would say, I was thinking about this before we got on or I was when we got on and you were talking about how 17 years and I'm like, Oh, Nelly, you know, like when you start to get this age and you're like, it's been that many years since I graduated high school. Damn. Um, but I think that there were years, a decade where I was paying my dues. Mm. And chills. It felt hard. And I think some, I'm glad I was Gen X. So I'm a little bit out because we have this sort of mindset of we shouldn't have to pay our dues anymore. We should be seven figures by 25 and whatever. And so, what I would tell my younger self is this might be hard, but it is giving you everything that you need. Who wants to work with someone who doesn't, who hasn't done the work? You know what I mean? Who hasn't put in the effort and learned what is what and educated herself and worked with thousands of people by the time I've gotten to this point. Um, so I think we make it wrong when certain outside mar- measures of success aren't happening yet. Like when we don't have yet the income we thought we would, or our business hasn't scaled to where we thought it would, or we don't have the partner that we thought we would by now. But I have just mm-hmm. learned that you are being prepared and everything is perfect. And when I look back at my younger self, who might have at times felt this anticipatory anxiety to just hurry up already. No, I needed every last second. So I would tell wow. myself. I know that piece of wisdom is going to land for so many people. Yeah. yeah. Your journey is necessary and perfect. And you might feel like you're in a grind right now. And you might feel like when is my bamboo tree going to spike up? But these roots are growing deep for a freaking reason. And this wisdom is being implanted in you for a reason right now. Yeah. My husband. And if, I, if my husband and I met eight years ago, uh-uh, ain't gonna happen. It wouldn't have happened. We would have like dug each other, I'm sure, but we wouldn't have had the skills or the tools or he was being prepared. I was being prepared. I had to go through what wasn't right to even be able to see him clearly, to see how right he was. I had to have all of this experience to know what the line is in coaching, to be a, a very um, safe and solid provider for my people. It's, it's, it's easy to want it to speed up. Um, and that's just our own human 
linear mind. So that I think that's the biggest one that comes forward for me is enjoy it because it's it's necessary and it is serving you even if it feels really hard. That's that's really going to land for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I I think we can really leave it there. Because yeah, that's, I don't have that's, anything. Else. I just I just think that's 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 really where people don't have are. Two and three. <laughs> yeah, and um, give yourself grace along the way because I think during that time you probably were kinder to yourself than a lot of us, but maybe not. <laughs> I think I was fairly patient, but there were times where I was like, I mean, for real, this this is how hard it's going to be, God. <laughs> but then I got to the point where right before I met my husband, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I feel like I've paid some dues here. And I really believe that this is going to be easier than it's ever been before. And it was in fact. So and I you have now the life of your dreams, the man of I your do. dreams, the career of your dreams. The work of my dreams. Yeah. The work of your yeah. dreams. But I also have a sense of self that um, I worked really hard to get that my husband doesn't doesn't complete me in that way. I was mm-hmm. just this happy before I met him. And my work is meaningful to me, but I know I'm bigger than beyond that. I'm bigger in terms of like a spiritual sense, not like I'm bigger, more important. Because it's who we become that we can always take with us. So yes. that means we can attract and cultivate the job and the, the person if, if we always yes. think who we become in those tools and skills and resources. So where can, where do we want it, people to direct you to? Because I know you've written a journal. I know you do one-on-one coaching, which I feel like for who you are and your years of experience is so like, I can't even believe your price point. It's like, okay, totally very, very um, incredible what you allow people to give you for what you offer them. Um, so I know you have Tiffany, Tiffany Louise.com. You, you have so much to share on Instagram, Tiffany.Louise. And she's so like generous in her DMS and like commenting and like interacting. Like, I feel like your social media is conversation. I try to be, I mean, it's I'm not huge. I don't have like this million person following. So as long as I can try to get through everything, I'm, I'm, that's my commitment is to do it at some point that might not be sustainable, but so you want people to grab your book, go to your website. And then what about this new course you're launching? Yeah. So, um, you know, my price point for coaching is, is good now, um, because I want to, uh, allow it to be somewhat accessible for many people until I create more, um, that can capture that. So I'm, I'm building this course and, Frankly, I, I, I'm, I'm diving into so much and it's so exciting. It might end up being more than one. It probably will be. I'm, I'm definitely in the camp where I'm like, I over deliver, but then it might be a little too much for people to learn in one sitting. But it's basically the stuff that I don't think is very mainstream about relationships. I was, I had a master's degree. I had an undergrad in psychology and, and another one in women's studies and a master's degree. And I was a therapist and I still did not learn. I had to seek these tools for masculine and feminine energy, for relationships, the way sometimes, not all the time, but the way sometimes traditional therapy treats relationships that can actually make problems worse. Expecting men and women to be men to be women mm. and, um, women expecting men to be women. And it, it just powerful. all these tools that truly have changed my life that are the only reason that I have the relationship that I have now, the rela- reason I ended relationships that weren't healthy because I learned this stuff. So I'm working on giving you what saved me and has um, 
help countless of my clients. So I'm excited. Hopefully in the next Can't wait. Months. I cannot wait. Yeah. And we'll definitely um, promote that once it comes out. Before we get off here, because um, I want to keep this under an hour so people can stay focused. I know these conversations can get long, but there's been like so much value in here. So many conversations I've been having on, um, I mean, countless and countless mastermind and women's calls and whatever is this idea of like this masculine and feminine energy. Can you, because I don't have like a degree in this. I, I mean, I've read about it and I've studied it, but can you expand on that for all people on the line and how potentially we can thrive from working from the feminine? Yeah. So, and I think this is a perfect full circle okay. moment to end on because okay. it goes back to your first question of like building something that's sustainable. Okay. So what I have found is if we just want to, for time's sake, masculine energy, think doing feminine energy, think being, and we as women and men are always in moving through both, but, um, men tend to spend more time in doing energy and, um, focused and goal oriented and tunnel visioned energy. And what I have found through my research, um, and through learnings is that women are spending more time than ever before in masculine energy and doing energy, but our bodies estrogen versus testosterone are not necessarily, um, it, we, we, and this, I struggle with saying this. A lot of these things I don't talk about publicly. I talk about more privately because you get a lot of flack, but I'm not saying I'm talking, it's not about equality. It's more about being equitable. Mm -hmm. We have different strengths, but we aren't meant. And I don't think women's systems are meant to drive and grind and be in masculine energy. Um, for as long and as hard as we are. So when we think about operating from a place of being, which is a place of giving and receiving for that receiving part that you're talking about, it's an energy of flow, of being very attuned. If we think about masculine energy as tunnel vision, feminine energy is very expansive. It's you see all of the things around you, all of the possibilities, all of the energies, how someone's feeling, the nuance of their face. And when we are tuned into being, we can actually flow more with our work. It's less of an, a, of a hard energy of a grinding energy and, and it doesn't wear on us. It's, and, and, and what I found is it's much more sustainable to serve and work where you are balancing that than being in the masculine. Um, so, and, and, at, and then there's a whole other world is at how we meet our partners, whether we're meeting, whether we are interested, you know, in a different gender or the same gender or who's in what energy and knowing what our preferred operating system is. Um, and it, it opens up so much possibility to relate to yourself and to relate to others differently. But yeah, women are expected to be in, in more masculine energy than ever before. And I think we're seeing burnout as a result. Yeah. And, and what's the number one thing a woman could do to trust the, their, her shift and shift? And is it going back to facing herself, sitting in her discomfort, creating yeah. more space, getting into alignment, all the things we discussed? Yeah, I think so. And as you shift, you're going to see, it might feel uncomfortable, but you're going to see, you'll know the tree by the fruit, right? So if you are, what kind of fruit is your life producing when you're shifting, when you are shifting into more being instead of doing, are you feeling more peace? 
brain? Are you feeling more, more ideas are coming to you because you're able to tap into creativity, even to look even for the smallest fruits, to see any improvement, to see any growth and to harness that um, because it's going to be uncomfortable as we change. But um, more chasing the fruit keeps us going. Yeah. Yeah. It's more sustainable. I love that. And um, I think you've offered us more than enough wisdom. And I just thank you so much for your time and who you are for me, your friendship, and just saying yes to your life's calling because you served so many, so many people through going on your own journey. So thank you, Tiffany. Thank you. And thank you for your grace and your kindness and your generous heart and having all of us on here to to just help and serve. Um, and I hope that um, all of the people listening, I, I wish you the best and I, I send you all the blessings. And I know sometimes we can talk about this being hard, but this journey of, of self-discovery is the greatest work we'll ever do. So if you're on this call, you're, you're on the path and I just commend you for that. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please share this episode and DM us. We'd love to interact with you about all you learn and create from this. If you love this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to get real-time updates when all new episodes go live. And if you can, please leave us a review. It will help us grow our community and our message to support more leaders on their growth journey. If you want to continue to hang out with me, follow me on Instagram at Laura E. Holloway and subscribe to my weekly newsletter at lauraeholloway.com for weekly downloads, blogs, upcoming workshops, events, and more. Stay aligned and make your move. I'll see you next week.